0: Welcome to episode 84. This is Sheldon Grant from Panoramic Outdoors. We've got a wicked little episode for you today. We're going to talk a little bit of turkey hunting with a great guest and actually a, a host of ours, Chase Drylic. We're going to get to him right away quick. Before we do, I just got to do a huge special thanks to Pit Barrel Barbecues. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go to pitbarrelcooker.com and check out their website. What they are is it's a barrel type smoking system where you can do meats, vegetables, fruit whatever you want we've been doing it all and we've been doing it for well over a year now and uh we love the barbecue so if you want to get into one of them go to pitbarrelcooker.com you can check out uh their map for canada they have a bunch of places where they have uh where they sell them so you can find it there and if you're if you are in the u.s it's free shipping so that's www.pitbarrelcooker.com and today's
1: episode we're talking with my man chase dry like what's going on over there hey man how's it going today oh well, you know just giving her nice nice i'm doing good i'm doing good um i'm just uh yeah just got off a, a big weekend here and um you know we're pretty busy around the house right now here gearing it up to to get sold so i but in between there squeezing in the old uh, turkey hunting so
0: nice and we're gonna get to that right away quick before we do, I'm going to have to tell you a couple stories. I just got back from Churchill, Manitoba, the far north. I think on our last episode, I might have mentioned that I was up there. I think I did the intro and outro with you guys mm-hmm. while I was there. Um, but I had a chance. I, like I always say, I always meet so many cool people. Um, and with COVID and stuff, you don't get to meet as many people as you like. Um, but a friend of mine actually hooked me up and uh, we got to try some, some whale. So... Uh, as I think the Inuit would call it is, um, oh, now it's escaped me. I've been thinking about it all week. I'm like, I gotta remember this. Um, <laughs> dang, I can't remember now.
1: I know it's there's there's different names for different type and parts of the of the whale that you can eat, and uh, I know a common one up there. People used to call muktuk. Is yeah,
0: that's that's what they were calling it as well. Yeah,
1: but it was uh, it was quite the experience.
0: It it, it was kind of weird because like I've done a lot of like kayaking with the whales when I was up there. A lot of sightseeing and stuff. So you're, you're watching these beautiful whales. And it was almost like this first time in my life when it came to a wild meat, I was kind of like, Oh my god, like that's a, that's a piece of beluga whale, you know? <laughs> and, um, but yeah, it was interesting. And the one thing that I found pretty cool was that when we were, when they were serving it, they're cutting it with like the, the Ulu, I believe it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're cutting it into strips and they basically said like, take it chew it a few times dip it into the soy sauce or sorry take it dip it into the soy sauce chew it a few times and swallow it like you don't have to like disintegrate it like a crack or anything mm-hmm. so i so i had a couple pieces and and it was it was pretty pretty different i guess um i don't know if i'll be sitting down to enjoy it all the time if i had the chance i think it's uh i experienced it and and that's good enough for me for now um, and the other thing that I will mention is the smell of it. It was weird. It was almost like that fishy smell, but like mixed with a bunch of oil, um, because of the whale blubber I'm I'm assuming, but mm-hmm. yeah, it was sure, it was sure an experience. And I just feel very fortunate to have that experience, but I thought I had to share it with you and any of our listeners out there.
1: Yeah, that's cool. And in, in all my time, uh, that I spent up in the North, I, I never got the opportunity to try it. Maybe my day will come, but, uh. Um, I did hear from many people that it's definitely an acquired taste and has a, a very unique smell to it. But it was uh, also like a you talk about that that relationship to uh, to food there a little bit and how you know your your emotions felt a little bit different eating a beluga whale. And uh, I don't know, it, it's it's weird when I think about that too in different contexts, like people in uh like back in the day used to have dogs in when they were like living in on the land kind of thing and they would eat the dogs when they when they got low on food kind of thing so it's kind of all part of the part of the the system that you grow up in right and uh, beluga whales is obviously a, a very important part of of that system when you're people are eating like a lot of lean fish or or lean meat like caribou meat, you got to mix those real fatty foods in there, especially in those cold winter months up in the high north.
0: Yeah, for sure. And it was, yeah, it was it was, it was a wicked experience. And just uh, got to say a huge thank you to the people up in Churchill that, that hooked me up with that. Uh, it was an experience that I probably will never forget. Um, another cool thing when I was up there is I did a little bit of driving. There's only kind of one road there's no roads in or out, but there's kind of one road that goes, I don't know what, like 10 miles, 15 miles, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So I drove that road a couple times. There's um, just kind of just looking around and stuff. And I actually came across a flock of ptarmigans and I actually never seen them until I, I had, I stopped to pull over to take a picture of something. And, they, and then I just noticed some scurrying in the snow. And uh, it's quite remarkable with those birds, like how white they actually are and how they blend in. Like if they didn't move, I would never have seen them. And I tried, I put it on Instagram. I tried taking a bunch of pictures of them and like, I was like 15, 20 yards away from them. And I could not even like focus or not like they were just so remarkable, remarkably camouflaged. It was pretty ridiculous, but there's one big one there with a black head. It must have been, the, I'm assuming the male, like the rooster, maybe they call it. I don't know what they call it, male ptarmigan, but it had like a black head and some red in it and stuff, so it was a big, pretty big bird, though.
1: That's cool. They're they're yeah, beautiful-looking birds, man, and they, they turn like crazy different colors. Um, I remember seeing them uh, quite a bit up there, and, and same thing, when you get later on to into those winter months, they're very hard to see. and Like, you see them in that flat light somewhere and they just disappear almost yeah. instantly. Like you find them once the easiest way to find them in the, in that snow is usually like in a willow bush or something like that. But even then it's tough to tell like what you're actually looking at.
0: Yeah, for sure. Have you ever ate them before?
1: I have. Yeah. Yeah. I think I told the story on this, this podcast and on, uh, how I acquired my first harm again too. Oh yeah. Do you remember this one at all? No, no, no. I could have been a few beers deep when you're telling this story too. Who knows? <laughs> probably, probably. I know I've 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 told it more than once, so I'll I'll give a quick little uh, just uh, Cole's notes on it. We were actually driving back from that same road from the study center there, or I was driving back. I think I was by myself, and uh, and it was dark because I went out there to meet a biologist for supper, and on the way back, um, this ptarmigan had. I guess got blinded by my car lights flown into the power lines, took his head off and landed on the road in front of the car.
0: Oh, sweet <laughs> bullet.
1: Yeah. So, so that was uh, supper for the next night. It's nice. Pretty sweet. The thing,
0: the thing about those things that I thought was super cool, cause we did a bit of hunting for them when I was in Gillum years ago and, um, just their feet. I thought they were super cool. They're like, they almost have like, uh, like eagle feet, you know what I mean? Like talons almost, but they're really like feathery or furry. Yeah. They look pretty neat. But Yeah, they're feathery. See see how many times I can say neat tonight. (laughs) But yeah, speaking of birds, we're going to be talking a little bit about turkey hunting. And, uh, you know, it was just the way things worked. We actually had a guest lined up and it kind of uh, fell out of the bottom here last minute. But Chase was out hunting some turkeys this past weekend. And it's kind of a pretty good timing that we can maybe talk about the turkey hunt. Um, talk about some of the stuff that, that he did to prepare and some of the stuff that he did while he was hunting, and then, of course, finish it off of how he's going to cook it. But one thing I do want to mention too, Chase, I mentioned it last podcast, Leatherman. Leatherman has uh, stepped up the plate, and they're helping us out for a couple months with some uh, some sponsorship. They sent us a whole bunch of uh, knives, or not knives, but multi-tools. Mm-hmm. Have you got to use yours now, now that you went on that little hunting
1: trip? Oh, man, I, I use it all the time you know, the, the one that I have now is a little more, uh, has a little slimmer profile. So it's not as cumbersome, I'll say, as the other Leatherman that I do have to carry around on the belt and all that. Right. And, uh, it's, I, I use it around the house constantly, almost daily. Um, whether that's changing batteries out of the kids' toys or, or fixing something with the, with the pliers or whatever. Um, but I did use it on Turkey on too. I, uh, I ended up, um, processing the turkey with that knife and anybody else that, that owns a Leatherman can vouch for this, that those blades are freaking sharp, man. And they hold a good edge for a long time. And I know I even the ones that I have now, they still have like just a razor edge on them. So, um, beyond the fact of, about, of being like, a, just a great multi-tool, they also have like very quality, uh, edges on them.
0: Yeah they're, yeah, they're super sweet. I mean, like, the one that I have, uh, you know, it's got some some different functions to it. It's not something that you're going to be wanting to use to, like, crank on some screws or nuts all day. But, I mean, if you got to set a set screw or do a little odds and ends with it, I mean, it's freaking perfect. But, yeah, that's my Leatherman uh, little story for you. Nice. Or yours, I guess. <laughs> So now I guess we can get into maybe some of the meat and potatoes of the the podcast. We talked about doing this turkey hunt uh, little episode. But before we get to it, I'm going to treat Chase just like a regular
1: guest. I got five burning questions for him. Uh-oh. Chase, are you ready for these five burning questions? No, I'm in the hot seat. Okay, just before you start these five burning questions, bear in mind or take note who you're talking to here. And... uh like, do, do you want me to go full Lockport story on these or do you want me to keep them and yeah, so sweet? I should maybe ask
0: you yes or no or multiple choice, hey? <laughs> It'll be a four-hour fucking podcast by the time we're done.
1: Okay, let's go.
0: Okay, number one question. And I know a lot of these questions. If anybody that listens to this podcast quite a bit, you probably know the answers to these. But maybe Chase will uh, will trick you on a few of them. Um, my first question for you, Chase, is that do you have any fears or, like, phobias Mm. Man,
1: <laughs> do I have any fears or phobias? I always had this, this, uh, crazy fear growing up and I still kind of have it of, uh, of not necessarily water, but like what's underwater. I have, I have huge respect for water and like just how accidents can happen in water in a heartbeat or ice or whatever. Right. So, um, it can become very dangerous, but, um, I always had this fear of like, diving off my dock and like trying to retrieve a pair of lost sunglasses or something like that and getting hooked on a hook that's like stuck on a log or in a rock or something like that in <laughs> my finger. You know and, what I mean? And then you come up with no shorts on? Cause is that, what, is that your fear? <laughs> no. And then I get stuck down there and drown. Oh, <laughs> or if I have my uh. Leatherman on me, then I got to cut my finger off to get my hook, my <laughs> get up to the surface. <laughs>
0: Oh, I thought you meant like your shorts got hooked on something, so you had to come up naked.
1: No, no. Like if I'm feeling around down there with my hands, and you know, you don't really know what's down there, and all kinds of crap that gets dumped off the dock or whatever.
0: It's like, man, it's like when you're like a younger kid. I don't know if you experienced this, but I did quite a few times. But like go, say, tubing or water skiing or whatever, mm-hmm. and it's kind of, you're kind of new to it, and then you're kind of floating there, and the boat's not coming, and then all of a sudden you feel like, grass or something like tickle your foot and you're like what the fuck was that (laughs) and then all of a sudden you're like kind of panicking looking where the hell this boat is and they're taking forever yeah but it's not really one of my fears but that did uh used to freak me out um dream vacation oh man let's do this let's do this two ways because i know you're a big family man give me your dream vacation where you can take your kids so they can experience and tell me a dream vacation say if you got a free weekend can go solo
1: cool um Good answer. I, I'd really like to go down to, uh, to like, uh, Turks and Caicos or something like that with the family. And, uh, they can go, we can, we can go stay at a resort, uh, family friendly kind of thing. And, um, the water down there is like super, super clear. And, um, obviously a spot that I can slide away to do a little saltwater fishing. Um, in my mind, so that's kind of something that I'd, I'd just like to experience just that area. I think it'd be pretty neat. And if I wanted to go by myself, uh, good question. Good question. There's lots on the list, but I think uh, something that would be accessible for a vacation right now,
0: Nah. We can circle back to that one too if you want.
1: Sure, yeah.
0: Okay, question number three. If you... Could pick out that one guy or one person in your life that would be an influence, influence. <laughs> That's not a word. Influence to you or a hero to you. I mean, other than me, who would you pick?
1: <laughs> are you talking about like somebody in my life, or like can it, it be, be anybody? Any anybody? Oh man, I don't know. I've had a <laughs> lot of influences in my life, and and I I use a lot of uh, um, people who are you know role models or influencers as, uh, as fuel as, um, as role models to, to, to get like the, the energy or the, the drive to go do stuff. So, um, I guess, I don't know to name a few would be, I guess I start off with like, um, my parents were always good role models just for like work ethic and, and all that. I use, I used to, like, follow Arnold Schwarzenegger a lot because he was, like, one of those guys with just Savage Drive. And, like, like he did some crazy-ass stuff, man. If you know anything about him, like, when he was training for Mr. Olympia, his father passed away, and he didn't even go home for the funeral kind of thing. Not to say that's something I would do, but when you're talking about Drive, that's, that's like, next level, man. I, I can really believe that, but... <laughs> but just stuff like that. I don't know. I get into these, I feel like I get into these, these uh, channels of just like, I get really drawn to, to one thing for a while and then I'll use that as fuel and then I'll move on to something else.
0: Yeah. it's You've told me that before, it was Mr. Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I always kind of thought it's funny, but I, I can't even laugh because it's like, it's true for you, right? But yeah. I kind of think of the same thing as other than I don't work out or anything, obviously. But like, with like the rock he just seems like such a for a celebrity you know he's determined to fucking look good all the time and he's big and huge and he always he's pretty inspirational in my mind and have you ever seen like what he would do for like cheat days like off of his diets yeah
1: i think he showed me one day yeah
0: like yeah like i don't even i can't remember like how many pizzas and like a dozen like pancakes and a whole bunch of brownies and he just freaking gorges. but yeah he's a big man he man he could probably pack that away and
1: yeah he's 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 wild happening. too man like he is he is way beyond um just like celebrity status i think i don't i don't know exactly what he's into but he's he has like other huge businesses on the side beyond his his like movies and film careers and stuff like that yeah, and, I, and I'm pretty sure
0: he had, like, a big role in, like, when he was a wrestler in the WWE to, like, I don't know if it was maybe, like, the storylines and stuff, but I think he was, like, a big part in how everything was rolling out. Other than, obviously, he was a very popular wrestler, but, like, I think he was, like, part of the the whole picture. Like, he was part of writing shit down and, mm-hmm. or, like, writing out, I don't know if they do producing it. or whatever, but, yeah. yeah. Um, my next question, yeah, these are pretty fucking hard, hey? yeah. <laughs> on the spot like these poor guests that we get on if you had one book or movie to recommend what would you, what what have you been watching what have you been reading lately Ooh. or even even in the past anything
1: that's a good one um books i'm i'm into like nonfiction books uh generally stuff that either i want to do or can relate to so I, I read i try to read out outdoorsy type books um and, and it's really tough for me to get into a book sometimes but one that i did read uh back to back was a life in the bush um jesus who's it by um shoot i can't remember it's pretty much a bit of a memoir about this this guy growing up in ontario and uh kind of tells a story about like how he got into the outdoors and followed in his dad's footsteps and the adventures his dad took him on kind of thing and uh but it's his his had this really really unique relationship with his dad because he, he was one of those gruff guys that worked at uh i think it was a lumber mill or something like that so anyways i really enjoyed that one movie wise haven't been watched many movies man it's, no. it, I, I do i spend a lot of time scrolling through uh the tv to to find something good these days to...
0: did you did you ever go and watch that trapping show i told you to watch i haven't yet on no i should Amazon? actually
1: i should actually write it down because I, i've I'll probably have some time here in the future to I don't even
0: I can't remember what it's called. I think it's like called do you remember what I said it was called Trapper Joe or something like that? Yeah, yeah,
1: that was it. I think. Yeah, yeah, that was
0: freaking insane. And anybody that has Amazon Prime or Amazon or whatever, go and search that. It's like a little documentary about this um, 80 some year old guy that's still trapping down in like the United States in the desert somewhere. And uh, yeah, he's been doing it forever and he's conservationist type dude like he teaches a lot of courses and it was just it was very interesting and there wasn't much to it it was just basically him trapping and him telling some stories and of you know you get to sit down with what's some like some of those like the the older generations where they can tell you stories probably for hours that's kind of what it felt like with that uh, documentary um my last question for you is like don't think about if it's going to fit your lifestyle but if you could have the keys to any vehicle what would you get who well if, if you say a dodge caravan with stone go <laughs> but ones that with the windows that work then <laughs>
1: <laughs> the windows fixed about time um man I've always been a fan of like like horsepower and and muscle cars or just cars that go fast and stuff like that and now is is really taken a deep dive on the priority list for me um, over the years but um Jeez, what's the what's the coolest car you've ever drove? The coolest car I've ever drove? Yeah. Uh, I haven't driven a lot of cool vehicles. Um, probably well, like, a, like a like well. a Dodge Dodge Challenger, like oh, a, yeah. a newer Dodge Challenger. Um, yeah, that was a nice car. Yeah,
0: I, I uh, I used to sell vehicles, and at the dealership I was at, we had and I think it was the Charger srt8 when it first came out and i had to go and get fuel and like go and fill it up mm-hmm. that was the funnest freaking seven minutes of my life <laughs> in that car <laughs> but but yeah but that was vibrating questions you made it through you didn't you went uh 4.5 out of 5 you missed half of a question but we'll let it slide this time the one thing i was going to mention though when we're talking about books is um adam schultz has a couple of good books there i've read a few of them And I was kind of thinking about this when you were talking about the books is that, could you imagine if the guy, and he probably does like on paper, but could you imagine if he had the iHunter app and he could like put all all his locations on there so you could like see exactly where he
1: went? That would be incredible. I feel like that map would just be filled right up. I don't know if you'd be able to hold that much data on your device. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. Okay. Okay
0: yeah you want to talk turkeys now or what let's talk some turkeys so um like you, like you probably heard in a little bit of the intro that we did do t- chase was off uh tree hunting this past weekend but before we get into the hunt part of it because of personal experience and because of the stories that you've been telling me uh you've been going out for a little bit a few times this year and only that a few times last year what do you got to tell me about preparing for this year's hunt maybe some of the stuff that you uh Learned along the way in the last couple of years. And not only that, uh, I'll go to the next question. Tell me that answer first. What have you kind of learned leading into this past weekend?
1: Oh, man. That's kind of a tough question to answer, to be honest with you. Um, it was because I, I, I've been feeling really defeated with this whole turkey situation because I remember the first time we went out and I thought it was just going to be like super easy freaking lights out remember that first time we went out there was just yeah birds gobbling everywhere and then uh yeah then it, it was a bit of a dry spell man it was really tough to to get anything to come in anything to work and um this year i thought you know the area i hunt i don't think is a bunch of hunting pressure because i've never seen another turkey hunt- hunter out there so i thought well maybe this will be the year it'll be good again and and uh, we'll get on some birds but it was just ice the first weekend I went out and I just thought, you know, here we go again, year three is going to be nothing. So I kind of, um, reached out to a buddy, uh, who I know, who I thought there might be, he might have some turkeys around him and, um, being a new turkey hunter. And it's not like we had somebody kind of leading, leading the way for us in the, in the turkey woods, you know, like a, a mentor that would take us out and, say like you know this is this is how I do it this is what works for me yada 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 I listened to a lot of podcasts watching YouTube videos and uh, that was about it and we kind of just hunted the public ground and and all that and then it had been a tough go man Um, we I also reached out to some people you know I have uh, my buddy Lewis was always offering advice to me on some stuff that worked for him and then uh, obviously Melissa and April were always very helpful every time I reached out to them, to uh, to talk Turkey, but it's, it's different, man. When you're, when you're, when you're out there by yourself kind of thing, you know, it's, it's tough. You you do kind of learn a lot, but you don't, you, you kind of miss that, that, that learning period where there's somebody there who has experience say, okay, now I would do this at this point, or I would do that kind of thing. So, um, I feel like we were kind of behind the, not behind the eight ball, but, uh, just had a bit of a slower start there. So, um, I think, I think the biggest thing I learned to answer your question would be that, uh, if you're getting into turkey hunting or any kind of hunting, just reach out to as many people as you can to, to try and learn, especially in the areas that that you hunt, um, whether that's, uh, trying to get permission on private land. Or trying to, um, you know, get some local knowledge, figure out how to hunt turkeys, whatever it may be. I think there's a lot of people out there that will offer that advice. And and one thing I kind of learned too this weekend, my buddy that I was hunting with, he has obviously a lot of private land. He's a farmer and he has it all posted pretty much, no hunting. But he's a big whitetail hunter. And pretty much the message that he was giving me was like, you know... This is mainly for whitetail season. We, we don't really care if somebody wants to come hunt turkeys in here. If they ask permission, we'll go let them hunt. You know, if we kind of, if they give us a good story or we know them or whatever. So I think uh, in the past too, a lot of the, the no hunting signs on property really uh, discouraged me from asking permission. And maybe now they, they won't in the future just to go after a different species, we'll say.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of interesting things that you said there, and I want to, I'm going to circle back to a few of them, but the one thing that I do want to mention when you're talking about like uh, <clears throat> like hunting on your buddy's land there that not normally lets people hunt there, um, that's the thing with with turkey. Like just say any type of uh, spring season where you can get out, get onto some land out early. You can kind of almost like prove yourself that you're, uh, you know you'll respect where you're at, right? It might be as small as a turkey, but you never know, like, if you have that good relationship with the landowner or whatever, it might evolve into something more. Um, There's a question I was going to ask you, and I should have asked this first, um, about why you got into turkey hunting. And the thing is, is that I think there's got got to be something said about hunting just in general um, and how people do get discouraged because, like, things don't work out for them maybe year after year, especially when you're new. And like you were kind of saying there, like you have to look for your own resources or your own literature for, for learning it or find people that will help you out. You got to take that into effect for like all types of hunting. Right. And like, that was the question I was going to ask you to start. What made you decide to start hunting? Um, just because I know in the springtime, like with your family and stuff like that, you're super busy as it is. What made you think like, oh man, I'm going to start this this spring hunt and, and get out and try for turkeys
1: um i i think like the major driving force for that was just the fact that there was that huge lull between uh you know the start of fall and are the end of fall and the next start of fall of a hunting season and and there was that kind of time in there that was really a good time to be in the woods i thought you know the similar fall weather kind of thing and uh if i could enjoy that that stuff a little bit more then than i could you know get out and go try it and uh, turkeys have been something that has never really been on my radar even growing up we watched like wild tv was on constantly on tv right and uh man every time a turkey hunting show popped on we'd usually change the channel yeah because <laughs> i just had no interest in watching
0: turkey hunting and bass fishing t- yeah all would change <laughs> yeah so
1: <laughs> um but now I might watch it just because now I can relate to that. Right. And, and even thinking about like, you know, we'd go to these DU dinners where they'd have a, uh, those, one of those paintings of like a Turkey scene. And it's like turkeys walking through a farmyard. And I'm like, and you think to your, think to myself, you know, who would want that? You know, like I can't relate to that at all. But now as I, as I spend more time hunting turkeys, I'm like, ah, oh, that'd be kind of cool. Actually that, that does make sense. And, um, so Uh, so yeah. So after I had that, you know, initial thought and, uh, I I talked to you about it and you kind of said, I I think we can find some turkeys. I know a spot kind of thing. And we went out and we found some turkeys and then it became a goal after that, to to get one because like, I hate, especially in hunting stuff. I hate like starting something and not finishing it or not being successful at it. And it's like, how can I, how can I become successful? What am I doing wrong? What can I do better? Or, you know, how can I, how can I be, get there? So, um, that's been the journey, man, so far.
0: Yeah. It's, it's kind of been crazy for the last few years. The first time when, yeah, like you said, we kind of went out. Now you've got a feather in your hat. You finally are successful. One of the three of us are finally successful in turkey hunting. And the thing I was going to actually mention before too, is that I, it was the same thing in my household. Like I remember my dad was never a, a turkey hunter. He, he'd went turkey hunting a few times and, uh, but like never really had an interest in it. So I was kind of thought it was, yeah, whatever, but same thing. If that TV show came on there hunting turkeys, it usually turned to hockey or something else, but, mm-hmm. um, so now you got a feather in your hat as in you, you're successful shooting a Turkey. Do you want to kind of run through how that all went down for you?
1: Yeah, sure. So like, uh, um, I went out two weekends ago and hunted our our public land spot and, and, uh, you know, it's kind of, it was kind of difficult to get out. So what I would do is get out there for an evening hunt and camp out and get a morning hunt in because that spot's like two hours away from, from home for me. So it's to make it worth it. You you almost got to get a couple hunts in, right? So, uh, obviously being unsuccessful there, um, it's feeling pretty discouraged. And I even found some turkeys on, on private land and usually just, uh, to get like some verification from them that I'm doing something right. I would stop and try and call and, and get them fired up. And, uh, that first weekend when I went out, man, I couldn't, I didn't hear, I heard one gobble from a Jake that was by somebody's house. But other than that, I didn't hear any gobbles. So, like even the, the ones that I that I uh, called to on private land weren't even firing up. So I'm like, man, what is going on here? Am I doing something wrong? Is there something wrong with my calls? Whatever. So I ended up uh, picking up uh, a new call, a new uh, um, mouth call. And uh, it was a Phelps. And it was it's a phenomenal call to work with. And, uh, yeah, so then I got in touch with my buddy Wes there who really went like the whole nine yards to, to try and find me a turkey. And, um, it was the same kind of deal. I only had pretty much 24 hours to, to spend out there. So I left home, got out there, met up with him and, uh, he got us loaded up, got me loaded up on a a bike And pretty much like follow me let's go I'm gonna show you all the spots that uh, we can hunt and the spots that I see turkeys at and all this and he hasn't even really hunted turkeys at all either so this is all new to him and uh, so right away honestly the first thing I do because this guy's a farmer down there and he's he farms like 2,000 acres or something like that so I get out the iHunter app, get it fired up, put tracking on, and I throw that sucker in, in my pocket. And uh, we literally drove around for an hour and a half looking at stuff. And, you know, down turkey trails, down uh, down um, like gravel roads, down other trails and, and all that, and seen a bunch of turkeys. And, uh, yeah, at the end of it, we came back. And he said, okay, well, uh, I gotta take off for a bit. You go hunt wherever you want and, uh, good luck. We'll, we'll, uh, you know, link up with you after the hunt at dark kind of thing. So, okay. Off I went, got out the old iHunter app and, uh, the, the spot that I wanted to go to, there was like three or four different acts, four different access points to it. So I went to the first one, didn't work out. Cause I was, Gonna try and sneak through the bush to where we seen seen these turkeys. So I'm gonna stop
0: you there, quick. What made you want to pick that spot? Was there anything in particular that you seen or
1: that you liked? Um, we seen a couple turkeys there. Obviously, it was the first first thing. The second right. thing was that uh, there was a a couple ways into that area that I could get in there with without being noticed. Excuse me, pretty much. Uh, So, you know, I thought I could sneak in there and set up and have a good opportunity to to call a bird in. But uh, my first, the first spot that I went to, I tried going through this this river bottom and it just got too thick. So I backed out of there, plan B, came from the top. And uh, when I got down to where I wanted to set up, I couldn't find the turkeys and I couldn't get them to fire it up again. Or at all. So uh, we seen two two uh, toms in there. So again, another discouraging night of me questioning my my turkey hunting skills. And then uh, yeah, set up camp and uh, got ready for the next morning kind of thing. And and uh, we launched back out at daylight. We put on a lot of miles, um, but we we almost the, the first spot we went to. We ran into turkeys, just a beautiful tom, and uh, but he had two hens, uh, two hens with him, and we had set up down the bush line from him, but he didn't wanna, did not wanna pull away from those hens, so we let him go, and then uh, we were off to the next one, and we we drove to this other field, this beautiful like green field, and there's a nice strip of bush there, and we pull up there, and there's like a dozen turkeys on this field so we set up we're maybe like 50 yards away from the birds when we first set up and uh, i started calling away and it's it's just awesome man you can hear them drumming away gobbling hard and they're slowly getting more and more fired up and they're starting to get closer and we set i set up the decoys right on this there's like a two track road that we set up on And to our backs was a bit of a hill and uh, hardwood forest. And so these birds were coming, coming, getting closer. And I thought ideally they'd just come right down the road, like 10 yards and I'd have a good shot at one there. And what ended up happening is (laughs) they came in the bush behind us and they were just hammering away up there right behind us. And so we couldn't move because there's 12 turkeys sit behind us and, I, the bush was thick enough that I didn't feel comfortable just doing like a swing around and try to take a poke. So we let them go. We tried making another move on them, but it didn't work out. And then, uh, we're kind of doing our, our home tour from there. So I kind of said to Wes, you know, I'd, I'd almost take any opportunity that came at me right now to, to get a turkey in the, in the box of the truck on the ride home, heading back North. And, uh, so Because <laughs> because I we already had that awesome call experience and you know, my my heart was going and and the turkeys were man They were so tight on us. It was it was it just got the adrenaline rocking, um when those birds were that close and then uh, So on our way home we came across this field. There's a little river creek running through it and uh, There's some birds on the field. So I got off on this creek and tried skirting the field and to, to catch them up top and they actually came down into the creek and i spooked two off and i kept on walking and i spooked another two birds off and then i got like on the high side of the creek and started walking and this uh this jake took off from the grass like 20 yards in front of me and i just seen this beat red head and i just shouldered the shotgun and the good old waterfowl instincts kicked in, and I just swung in and shot him on the wing and uh, folded him. And then that was uh, the turkey hunting experience, man.
0: There's a few things I'm going to say here because I don't. I think, like, a lot of listeners are probably like, oh, yeah, he went out and shot a turkey, whatever. But you're, like, pretty fucking hardcore, though. Like, you're doing kind of a solo hunt normally. You're camping out in the middle of the bush by yourself. You know, you're doing all these things. Um, you, you, Your drive to – your drive to be successful is pretty evident when you when you're telling me the stories and you're telling me that you're setting up your little pop tent and sleeping in it and you know you're driving miles and miles to get fuel because you forgot to get fuel and all these stories and then finally you get to get to pull the trigger on on a turkey. The one question I did have for you though is how come you decide? I know you're an avid archer, archery hunter. How come you decide to go with the uh, with the old boom stick or the shotgun instead of your archery equipment?
1: Um, I I think well, proving by by the success that I had, you know, I don't think I would have had that success if I if I didn't have the shotgun with me. So I, I I wanted to up my odds of success with that before I brought out the bow, and I certainly will be using the bow at some point in the future. But um, I needed to get a, a turkey in the in the bag before I start getting too too cocky with stuff. So. Um, and I wanted to learn the land a little bit better in the, in the areas that I hunt. I think the archery game is a little more of a, a waiting game in a lot of ways, you know, it's where you're setting up on, on common areas where you see turkeys. So, um, as, as I'm still learning about the birds, you know, I just wanted to up my chances the best I could.
0: Yeah they 're kind of funny looking birds like what was one thing one distinct fe- feature that you noticed after it was on the ground oh and man you actually got to pick it up
1: that I guess that's one of the th- my big draws towards these birds now is just how unique they they actually are and I never really noticed it until like the, the last few years of my my life here and and uh, they were just unbelievable they have this the, the like iridescent feathers that just are changing colors green purples yellows oranges gold and like tip feathers and it's just uh, just a beautiful bird and uh and how their head changes colors with their like emotions and stuff like that and i think the uh their heads are like the the weirdest thing that, that i notice about them because they have like it almost looks like warts on their head you know what i mean and it's not it's beautiful and it's unique, but it's still a little bit off turning to me that just that look and like how it feels and stuff. It's uh, it's different.
0: No kidding. I uh, have you watched that catch and cook video that they've done? I did. Uh, with Jay and Jay and Josh there. And a few things that I've noticed out of that video is like when they were kind of looking at the bird, you know, and Josh was talking about their feet and like their bone, like bony like feet. And I was just like, yeah, that's probably pretty interesting. And I've never, never shot one. I never held a turkey even. So I don't know what that's all about. But what a great video Catch and Cook did. Their group that they have there, uh, it was quite remarkable. And they actually cooked some, it looked like a really good, uh, it was like a spicy turkey burger or turkey sandwich with mm-hmm. a donut or something like that. Yeah. And that looked fucking great. What do you, do you got any big plans for any, uh, for any turkey meals coming up here?
1: I did. I do. Yeah. I, uh. I think I spoke about a couple of them on the podcast previously, but right now actually as we speak, I have uh, one of the turkey breasts and a little honey brine in the refrigerator and tomorrow I'm going to toss that baby on the pit barrel and get it smoked up and and see how that turns out. I'm looking forward to that. It was uh, The bird I shot was obviously a small jake. Um, The beard was like real little. Just out of the feathers, kind of thing, <laughs> and the, nice. I don't even think there's any. There's like just nubs for spurs on the thing, so it's it's not a big bird at all. Hopefully, it'll be a tasty bird. From what I heard, that the jakes are better table fare, although you get less meat off of them. So I am looking forward to that.
0: Nice. Yeah, I was, that was actually I was going to ask you the same question. I have very little experience with turkeys, so my my next question was is uh you know younger. Jake better eating than a than an old what Tom?
1: Yeah, that's what they say. Yeah, and I'm a uh, man. I'm I'm happy with it for my first bird. I'm happy I got my first bird. I know uh, I know old West was was a little disappointed I didn't get a big Tom because we have seen some some just like beauty birds out there, but um, I was just happy to get one on the ground. What what
0: makes a turkey a big Tom? Like I know is it it's their beard length and then their size of their spurs, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, and then the bird just gets bigger in general and their fan gets bigger like the uh the fan on the jake has like like the middle feathers in the fan are like a little bit longer than the ones on the side and I think that's common with younger birds whereas the the uh fans on a big tom are like all long feathers on there.
0: Yeah. So it's almost like those middle foot feathers would be like in I don't know, like they'd be growing first and then as the older it gets, the outside ones catch up to it maybe or something.
1: I guess so, yeah, however it works out, yeah. I saved that fan off that bird. I'm going to try and, like, hook it up to one of the decoys and, and try and make it a little more realistic because one of the things that we kind of noticed when that group was coming in it was, like, the birds were, like, hung up in the bush, and they could definitely see the decoys, and I thought they were going to come right, right between us because, like, Wes was sitting quite a ways away from me and trying to catch some film footage and i was sitting a ways away from him obviously and the decoys were kind of in between us and uh yeah they just looked at the decoys pretty much and just held up in the bush so i think if we get a little more realism in those birds hopefully that'll be the draw we need to to get them in
0: yeah like for my very little knowledge on tree hunting, that's one thing that i've always heard is that they have really really good eyesight like they can pick anything out and i mean. I think that's a little probably obvious though, because they aren't a super fast bird by any means. Um, I mean, they do fly, but they're generally on the ground. So they probably have to have their instincts up top notch because they have quite a few predators, especially in Manitoba, like uh, coyotes and stuff. They have foxes or whatever. Right. So mm-hmm. apparently, yeah, they're, they can see, see really well.
1: Yeah. that that's one thing that that's common among, like you hear it a lot among, uh, really experienced turkey hunters is like, you don't want to move because those those birds exactly like you said, Sheldon are are they survive because they're able to detect some sort of movement or something like that because that, there's a lot of shit on the ground that's trying to kill them, right? And yeah. they got to be able to detect that and and get away.
0: Yeah, no kidding. <clears throat> it, it that when guys say or when hunters talk about turkeys and about how they are so well, like they can see so well, it just reminds me of like the white-tailed deer. You know, it's like 90% of the time I find when I'm hunting, the deer will see you before it's, you see it, mm-hmm. um, or not even, not necessarily hunting, but even just walking through the bush. And then all of a sudden you look and it's already watching you. Um, it's kind of crazy. Those, those features that some of those wild animals can get. And clearly it probably takes a lot of time and like an evolution for, for them to, uh, pick up on those skills but they sure got them right now
1: yeah well it's it's a little bit different right because like like turkeys and deer are being are like prey species so they their their eyeballs are set up different they're more on the sides of their head than on the front as predators are on the front so they can focus and make those like precise movements to kill something and the predators or the prey species have the eyeballs that are more on the side of the head that just like primarily just detect movement is their is there kind of thing right and they as soon as they see that they're gone yeah it's a pretty good sound effect <laughs> um it's interesting to, in, just
0: wait just wait i got something to tell you now okay because it just like came to my mind and i just got to tell you it and it, you might already know it but i don't give a shit i'm going to tell you anyways um but like you, you think about like an, like we're talking about like the features of some of these wild animals and how Like, basically, they develop over time to be what they are now. But, like, think about the antelope for a second. And I've heard this on many podcasts. I've read about it. But, like, they're, like, the fastest land animal in North America. I don't know. I can't remember what the speeds they can get up to. But the reason why they got up to those speeds is because there's a short-faced bear in the prairies that used to chase them down to eat them. Could you imagine, like, walking through the field and this short – and it was a big animal, I think, too. Like, I don't think it was no – small little animal it was a big animal and it could run like 60 mile an hour jesus or whatever an antelope because an antelope yeah. obviously runs fast outrun a this short-faced bear but now it probably yeah. can outrun anything that's trying to catch them yeah but isn't that insane
1: that's kind of wild that's i like, hope it was like a short-faced a... bear yeah
0: <laughs> if not, i'm gonna look like a big idiot <laughs> even more of a big idiot
1: yeah that's just like cheetahs and stuff right that's fast yeah. though um one kind of one thing I kind of found interesting too uh, about this this hunt with with Wes was he was saying you know growing up he they had a lot of turkeys around that area and turkeys are this huge conservation success story in Manitoba right now so it, it's it's kind of like in my mind when I'm thinking about you know if there's a good populations of turkeys somewhere you know it should be there'll be good population of turkeys everywhere in that area. And it's you know, he said growing up he had hundreds of turkeys around the farm there. And he said about six years ago with that harsh winter, just knocked them right back and there's hardly anything around there now. He said they used to be, you know, pecking on his windows and stuff and now there's there's they hardly see a bird around the farm actually. So um it's kinda interesting that, you know, even though the turkeys are this huge success story in Manitoba that they still, they still struggle in certain areas and certain times, you know. That uh, that yeah. is not just this straight curve all the way up.
0: Well, that's cool, man. I'm I'm super pumped that you got to get that turkey. Um, what like? Do you think that uh, now that you got the first one, that you're gonna be wanting to get the second one, or is it kind of like this is uh, a bucket list animal that you kind of got off your off your bucket list and maybe you can move on to another animal in the spring, like a bear or something like that. Or or are you going to be back in the turkey woods?
1: I'm definitely bears, definitely on the list for sure. But I will uh, certainly always be after turkeys. I think now I, I, I don't know. I really enjoy the time of the year and just the weather and, and hearing a Turkey gobble super close to you is just as something else, man, it's, it's pretty close to like having that elk bugle in your face. It's not, it's not as good, but <laughs> it's, it's, it's right up there, man. It's, it's so cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'm sorry, but I had to Google this short face bear right now, but just a couple quick facts about this bad boy. <laughs> it would stand five feet at its shoulders, but when it was walking and stood as tall as 12 feet on its hind legs, it was 1500 pounds and can run over 40 miles an hour. Jesus so just think about that next time you're walking through the bush, how lucky we have it. there's only black bears.
1: <laughs> oh man. That's other thing that, that I'm pumped about in this hunt actually. And like speaking about learning or doing new hunts and stuff like that is like, um, squirrel hunting, man. I locked up some, some serious squirrel hunting property for, for the coming winter here, I think. So That that's kind of been something that I wanted to do when I didn't really have a good area to do it. I don't think. And, and, uh, so now I kind of got a spot to go try and get some squirrels. Okay, so I got a number of questions about squirrel hunting
0: before we let this one uh, go to waste. But and I don't know if you know, but maybe you can educate me. And if not, I'll look it up. But is there an actual season for squirrel hunting in Manitoba?
1: I don't think so. It's I know it's in the in the book. So. Okay, my second question would be:
0: is, What would be your, like your prime squirrel hunting time? Like like when would be the best time to shoot them? Like fall when they're fat or what?
1: I think it's in the fall because um, lots of guys down south do squirrel hunting with dogs, right? So that makes life a little bit easier for them. I don't have a dog to hunt squirrels with, obviously. But um, I think as you get into the, uh, the late fall and early winter months, you get into that breeding season of squirrels and... They're just traveling a lot more And I guess they're they're easier to find You know the males and females are both Just running like Crazy through the woods So I think that's kind of the best time To, to go after them You don't want to target Well they're harder to target obviously When, when the leaves are still on the trees um, right. I guess a guy could go, go after them right now But um, I was listening to A meat eater podcast A little plug for meat eater there You're welcome um yeah but uh, and, yeah and they they were saying uh the one guy they had on there was saying you know once the females are bred you can still hunt them obviously but they're you're going after only a half of the population because uh the pregnant females are denned up in the trees or you have their their babies kind of thing
0: i don't know if i read this or i heard it somewhere and that could be totally false too it seems like half the shit i said tonight is, might be false so Anything I said to anyone that's listening, you can probably Google it, but I also heard that if you do shoot squirrels in the spring or early summer, they'll taste, (laughs) this might sound funny, but they might, they'll taste a little nuttier than they would in the fall because they've been eating their storage foods rather than eating like fresh, whatever Mm. they eat fresh in the summer kind of, but I don't know how true that is, but I think I thought I read it or heard it somewhere.
1: Hmm. It's an interesting fact. So I just pulled up the uh, small game hunting thing in the uh, regs here. and uh, s- Red squirrels are actually fur-bearing animals, so they, they have to be trapped or hunted during season. Uh, uh That would be the trapping season, which I don't know what it, it is right now. But check it out if you're interested in that. But I don't think there is a season for gray squirrels or fox squirrels, um, which is the the prize squirrels that we'd be going after. Um, But, yeah, some interesting things about squirrels, man, and just – yeah, how they 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 like they also they're omnivores. They eat meat. They if like one of their young dies, they'll eat it, kind of thing. So,
0: you know, you know our dog Trigger. Yep. Well, my my old man's got a little bit of a well, he had a bit of a squirrel problem where he kind of had to put the the smack down on a few squirrels. But the, my dog Trigger is like and not like never trained to like tree a squirrel or I don't know what they call it. But like, if there's a squirrel freaking out in the tree, he'll he'll run around and watch, and he'll find it, and he'll go and sit at the bottom of the tree and just look up, and Dad will find, be like, "Okay, sweet." And he'll go out there and get it. Like, isn't that? And yeah. my dad's like never taught him. He just, I don't know, if he's got the taste of squirrel or what. But he'll uh, he'll mark squirrels. Squirrel dog. You know,
1: Does Trigger eat him yeah. after, or is your dad? Oh shit! Yeah, yeah. And The cat or like. It's
0: like their favorite time, you
1: know nice
0: it's like going to squirrel Dairy Queen treats, for those man too yeah, yeah awesome <laughs> it's like getting a flamethrower.
1: I was almost thinking too because uh you know Tristan's got the the upland dog now and and uh Tyler and Tim both have the waterfowl dog so I was like maybe a little squirrel dog would be be in the works for uh for squirrel hunting
0: <laughs> not, no, it's not a duck dog eh
1: yeah, so
0: <laughs> oh man, that's super cool. But uh, yeah, I think that's a pretty good uh, rundown about our uh, or your turkey hunt for this year so far.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, I'm definitely definitely looking to looking forward to uh, you know learning more and and, and uh, just feature turkey hunts. Man, they're a lot of fun. It's a great time of the season to be out and about in the woods and and uh, we definitely need some rain right now here. I tell you that much.
0: Oh yeah, it's super dry here in Manitoba. And Anybody that's interested in turkey hunting and want a little bit more information. Um, we have another podcast with, uh, Frank Baldwin, where we talked a bit about the turkeys in Manitoba and like how they became here or how they flourished here, etc. So if you want to check that one out and another thing, a little tidbit for you guys, we're trying to get, um, trying to get Melissa on, if you don't know her, look up Turkey girl on Instagram or Facebook. We're trying to get her on to maybe, you know, ask her some questions and pick her brain about turkey hunting. She's been doing it for a while, um, but because of COVID and everything else and scheduling, it seems like every two or three weeks, it just keeps getting pushed back farther and farther. So hopefully we'll get her on right away quick. Um, but yeah, Turkey hunting, Turkey hunting 2021 in the spring. It's getting close to an end. Fishing starting right away. Do you have any big plans for fishing?
1: Hecla, Hecla, Not uh, opening weekend, but the weekend after uh, the family, we booked a cabin out there. so Oh, we did? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So we're going to head up and uh, hopefully it'll be a good weekend and it'll be the, the first kind of big adventure with the boys and yeah, hopefully it goes well. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Nice. Are you going to be setting, uh, setting up a Citizen Canvas tent or what are you guys going to do there? Or oh, you rent a cabin you said?
1: Yeah, we rented a cabin oh, okay. just because uh, it's the, the first kind of big out, outing with the kids and, and I didn't want to, uh, I don't know, just wanted to make it as easy as we could kind of thing. Absolutely. you know what you should do is you should take
0: that tent the cool thing about that citizen canvas tent is that you can zip those walls off right Mm -hmm. you should almost take that and set it up and then if you have a shitty like rainy day at least you could maybe spend it outside in there you know playing games or doing whatever
1: that's a great idea man um what else i was thinking this summer what you know the whole public campground uh debacle that you know all the campsites are gobbled up yeah i'm i'm actually following like uh a public lands camping group and it's not specific to Manitoba but I just kind of browse through it once in a while to get some ideas on what people are doing but I think there's a lot of opportunities in Manitoba if you want to do some like backcountry camping to get out and find some great spots they might not necessarily be on on like a pristine White Shell Lake but there's a lot of gorgeous country out in Manitoba there to, to go and check out so I'm gonna definitely um, look into a few of those options and I'd love to get a couple backcountry spots to go, um, go camping at with the boys and stuff.
0: Yeah. That's a few things that I have kind of on my list is, uh, in early June, I'm going to be headed up North to go camping and doing some fishing. And I know because of travel bans and stuff like that, there, it might be scheduling, might be able push back again, who knows. But if I can get like, uh, something figured out where I can get there directly and come home directly and not have to, deal with the COVID issues, I'm still gonna probably do that. Mm-hmm. And I would recommend anyone that's listening to podcasts and if you have those restrictions in your area, I mean, you still have an opportunity to get outside and go camping if, if you can figure it out on a direct route or do whatever you need to do. I would highly suggest doing that. You need to get outside and enjoy it. Enjoy the weather. Don't let COVID, you know, make you stay at home. I mean that's probably a good thing. But if you can get outside with your family and, and do something in your in your little cohort, do it.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man for the mind what do you got brewing up in the store anything brewing
0: up in the store
1: yeah i guess we can give our podcast listeners a little a little sneak peek i think we gave them one last time but we'll give them a head start on what's what's coming down the pipe here very soon um we got more coffee mugs with brand new logos on them never before seen logos that you guys are going to love we also have a brand new tank top that it has a brand new logo on it that you guys are gonna love. All both designed by our very own Sheldon Grant here. So, uh, well, I'm
0: just gonna I'm just gonna correct you on one thing quick because I did get in shit actually a few times when we when we launched the goose hoodie and everyone's like, well, what the hell? Like, what's where's your original logo? So the, I guess they're not new logos; they're new graphics. Mm. Our our logo's still gonna be the same. We're not changing that. But yeah, new graphics on uh, on a couple cups and a new graphic on on tank. And, uh, yeah, it should be pretty sweet. I'm, I'm looking forward to it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that's going to be coming out pretty soon. Um, yeah. So you guys keep your, keep your eyes peeled for that. Um, cause they, they will sell out like the last yeah. ones did.
0: Of course they'll sell out. They're <laughs> unbelievable.
1: Yeah. But yeah, other
0: than that, uh, anything else you can tell me for, uh, before we end this one?
1: That's about it guys. Um, if anyone's interested, uh, iHunter, if you want 30% off of your public land subscription, you know, you you, you heard me talk about iHunter today uh, with turkey hunting. I use it all the time in the woods, all the time on the water, um, and it's almost a daily thing in the hunting season just for me to, to double check something whether I'm thinking hunting plans, camping plans, or whatever it may be. It's one of the best tools in my, in my hunting kit, so go to web.ihunterapp.com And, uh, if you want to get your public land subscription there, type in panoramic 30 for a promo code, we'll get you 30% off for the year.
0: Hi Hunter. I can't wait for that. All that new stuff to come out. I'm
1: pretty excited for it. Oh man. That, uh, yeah, that, that landowner maps, that's going to be huge.
0: Yeah, for sure. And if anybody has any questions about iHunter, Chase and Tristan are very, uh, they know the app very well. so if you do have any questions feel free to DM us on our social media, on Instagram's Panoramic Outdoors. On Facebook, it's Panoramic Outdoors. Mm-hmm. But yeah, send us a line ask some questions. I mean, we'll, be, we'll we'll at least try to answer them. And if we can't answer them, we'll point you in the right direction.
1: Yeah, go check out Mark Stenroos' iHunter app on Instagram too. And I guess that's about it. Okay, folks. Well, as uh, Mr. Tristan would say, Keep your Easy Leatherman does sharp.
0: it, and that's the weather.
1: <laughs> oh, no. That was Ron Thompson. <laughs> Damn it. Keep your Leatherman sharp. Keep your lines tight. And uh, give us a third one, Shelly. Easy does it, and that's the weather. All right. Catch you guys on the next one.